Stranger Rangers. This is Bree. This is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. So I wanted to insert a little local true crime. Um, I feel like this case, is, this case is solved enough that we can just go ahead and talk about it, even though it's like super, super recent. Um, But there was a woman recently out in Oregon City who was reported missing at the end of July by her roommate. Um, Her name is Kara Taylor, and her roommate's name is Jamin Peter Fritch, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. Um, She disappeared like around, or the last sighting of her was July 25th. And then Jamin reported her missing two days later on July 27th. And so any disappearances, you know, suspicious and weird or whatever, you know, but Kara has a 22 year old daughter with special needs who lives with her. And so for her to just like go up and missing, people are like, this is really, really suspicious. Something's off. Yeah. Had to have happened to her. I mean, that would be like my mom going missing, like no way, no how, yeah. like, you something, know, something's wrong. Yeah, for sure. Something weird has happened. So I'm sorry. I'm kind of looking through this article because Tyson was the one that told me about this. Some of his coworkers who live in Oregon city were talking about all of this. So I don't really know how far this story got, um, even in local news, I mean, I'm sure it got brought up, but on, I believe it was on August 5th, um, local authorities got permission to go and search her house. And when they got there, they discovered in Jamin's, um, portion of the house that there was like blood in the bathroom there was sorry probably sprayed it down with luminol or something and found it or was it still like an active scene (laughs) so on august 5th detectives got a search warrant for her home as well as some other locations i don't know what those exact locations were sure and some of the evidence that they found led them to believe that kara had died by homicidal violence. So so they got an arrest warrant for Fritch and he was arrested two days later on August 7th um, at the home in Oregon City. Since then, he has been booked into the Clackamas County Jail and he's being held on a $1 million bail. And so what led them to suspect Mr. Fritch is that prosecutors prosecutors in court on Monday said that before Fritch had reported Kara missing, they um, had evidence of him making multiple trips to Home Depot to buy things like zip ties, tarps, a saw blade, and contractor bags. And then he had visited the Oregon City dump sometime within that time frame as well and prosecutors say that an fbi team found evidence of blood in his bathroom bathtub walls bedroom and on a saw that he had damn dude i know and luckily um he confessed so the day that he was arrested later that afternoon when they were interviewing him he admits to killing Kara, dismembering her body and said that they will never find her remains because I think in addition to, according to him, and I believe in addition to going to the Oregon city dump, he says that he had taken her remains to a bunch of different places. So it wasn't just like he killed her and he dumped her in one spot. He dismembered her and scattered her throughout town or maybe adjoining towns. I don't know of the extent of everything but yeah so this poor woman I am just like so devastated for her daughter um how old her daughter multiple charges she's 22 years old the daughter 
The daughter's 22. Oh. The mom, I believe, was 47 years old. Um, he is facing charges that include murder in the second degree, manslaughter in the first degree, and abuse of a corpse in the second degree. So again, like I said, this is very, very new. He was just yeah. arrested and confessed on August 2nd. So we'll see what plays out and what he actually ends up being convicted for. But this is a pretty wild, recent, super close to home. Super close. I mean, the Home Depot had to have been my Home Depot because otherwise there's Lowe's in Oregon City, but there's my Home Depot and then it's kind of empty. And then the city dump, like that's where we go. Exactly. Have you been to that? Oh my God. Literally just right at the road from you. I haven't been to that dump. I know that Tyson has been there before from like work and stuff like that and doing jobs out that way. Um, But yeah, just wild, right? Just so, I mean, it's always unsettling when something like this happens, but when it happens so close to home, just like leaves me so nauseous. It's weird to think about it because you're like, oh, I've been there. Like I have a morbid mind and curiosity and, you know, takes over. And it's funny because like when I've been at the dump, I was like, you know how easy, because people throw full things in there, full dressers, like mattresses, they, it's a dump. It's a dump. So, and then everything gets thrown into this pit, you know, and then it gets compacted and shredded. And I'm like, and we've seen cases where bodies are disposed of at the dump. And exactly. There is like the chances of finding someone or something or any evidence is just so slim because you have so much going in there. Exactly. And you have people coming mm. in all day long and it's all day long. Yeah. all day long. And so for a week to have gone by of when he did it to when he was arrested and confessed, I mean, you're not finding anything. It's no. done, you know, no. which, Damn. you know, at least the family has the closure of knowing who did it yeah. and exactly what happened to her. Yeah. So there's not this wild goose chase that, you know, you think you're going to go out there and find her. Um, but it just always makes me sad when the families don't have the body to have the closure with and just knowing that that's, you know, where her soul kind of. Yeah. Rests. Well, not only that, but obviously here in Portland with the recent serial killer stuff, at least from all the pages that I've seen, any woman who's been missing or disappeared in the last, you know, six, eight months, even, even a little bit more, I would say maybe in the last 10 months up until now recently. Yeah. Everyone's on edge on, Hey, is this one going to, is this person going to be another found victim for this serial killer or, you know, what is happening to women? But obviously this sounds like it was a a personal thing, but totally. um, And I'm interested to see as this, yeah. I mean, I'm interested to see as this plays out what the motive ends up being, you know what I mean? Yeah. Was he behind on his rent? Was, you know, did they have a secret relationship lover's quarrel? You know, like it'll, or he thought they had a relationship and maybe they didn't, or he wanted something more and she didn't, you know? Right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wild. So that's one that, you know, it's worth talking about. It's not a whodunit anymore. Um, She's not a missing person. There's not a big, right. Why? Other than, the why behind the actual events now which we'll probably Absolutely. never know really because people tend to not really have a good reason whichever reason they give unfortunately that is the truth yeah so yeah i uh, just wanted to share that quick little story and um let's get into the case for cool. today um it's really kind of less of a case and more of a story. This is definitely going to be totally different than what we kind of normally do, but I felt like this was kind of something worth talking about. And it just really, really piqued my interest. This is less of a who and a why and a how, but it's a location. 
that I'm going to talk about. Um, And you're going to be familiar with it. Um, Today, I'm going to talk about Lake Mead. Lake Mead? And yeah, um, gosh, I thought that that would ring a bell since you're from Arizona, because the lake is, um, well, I'll I'll talk about some more specifics, but it covers portions of, it lies in Nevada and in Arizona. And this is where the Hoover Dam is. Okay. Yeah. So Lake Mead has been hitting some headlines lately, and I'm going to dive into a little bit more about why that is. But first, I'm going to give a little history behind this lake and how it came to be. So Lake Mead essentially is a reservoir formed by the Hoover Dam on the Colorado River. It is the largest reservoir in the U.S. in terms of its water capacity. So this lake is 112 miles long. And at its greatest depth, it is at 532 feet. So this is a massive, massive lake. It sits about 24 miles east of Las Vegas, and it is located in Nevada and Arizona. So it extends the span of two neighboring states as well. Um, The lake itself was named after Elwood Mead. He was a commissioner of the U.S. Bureau of uh, reclamation from 1924 to 1936. And in 1947 was when it became known as Lake Mead national recreation area. Hmm. So this lake is used, I mean, for all sorts of different things, you know, boating, swimming, fishing. Um, it's got like local businesses off of it and stuff like that. And one of the things that this lake is the most famously known for is it's the site of the famous sex tape of Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson when they're no out idea. on their boat. It was their there. <laughs> yeah. So Lake Mead is the hub for that infamous That's sex funny. tape between those two. Famous waters. I know, right? Also, her documentary on um, Netflix is pretty amazing. If you have not watched it, it, you should go watch it. It's it's worth it. It's it's really, really good. Yeah. Um, But beyond that, I mean, this lake is featured and referenced in numerous movies throughout Hollywood over the years. And as a resource, it also provided water for up to 25 million people. So not just is it a place to play, but it's literally a resource for people in these like really, you know, desert like areas. And because of where it's located, it's gone through its periods of extreme droughts and water levels dropping Mm. the reservoir at its fullest. was at its fullest in 1983 and since then has dropped more than 170 feet, which is about 52 meters by 2022. That is so much. It is so much, especially when you consider the massive size of this lake, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's a shit ton of water yeah. and you can see the rings in the soil as the water level has dropped. It's like huh. really brown up top. And it just like totally kind of like looks like a toilet bowl or toilet bowl rings. And it's just like white and you can just see the gradual progression of this lake drying up. I mean, it's the, pretty, it's pretty crazy. The average home is like what, maybe 20, 25 feet kind of height. So to think sure. about it being like hundreds of feet difference, that is mm-hmm. so crazy. That is so much. Yeah. I mean, it's like what, probably a six or eight story apartment complex. Yeah. You could think of as, yeah. as that height. So lot. for it to drop that much and really in not that long, I mean, we're talking what 40 ish years, which yeah, is a long time, but I mean, it's, it's just wild. Yeah. How low this lake has gotten. So because of the water levels dropping the way that they have, it's allowed for this new shoreline to now rise up that hasn't been there for all these years. And you have all of this new land that's exposed. And this is starting to reveal a really long history of this lake. Things have been discovered like old boats and old shipwrecks, you know, that date decades 
ago, there has um, been a World War II aircraft, a 1948 bomber Whoa. plane that was discovered. And in like one little section of the lake, there's a bunch of old like barrels and like water intake valves from when they originally um, constructed constructed the dam and everything. So it's pretty wild to see like all of this history kind of come to the surface or the surface come to it yeah. to tell the story of, of this massive lake. Crazy enough, there's even an entire town that has reemerged from these dropping water levels. There was a really, really small town called St. Thomas in Nevada, and it was covered up with the creation of the lake back in the 1930s. The town of St. Thomas was established back in 1865, and it was home to just like a few dozen families. I mean, we're basically talking like a commune you know, size, (laughs) out in the desert, out in the desert. Yeah, exactly. And at that time there was no lake at all. This is a completely man-made situation here. Um, so I don't know where those people were getting their water from back in 1860, you know, 1865, but this lake was not there. It hadn't even started. So with these water levels going away, the, this town has essentially reemerged. And, um, I think you can walk out on these trails and you can see like old remnants of like foundations of some of the buildings and the houses that were originally there, which I think would be so fascinating to see in person. So I'm really, really intrigued by the history of this place now after diving into all of this. So we have all of those fun facts, you know, relics that have risen, old towns and whatnot, but the history of this lakes of this lake gets a little bit more true crimey and it's also believed to be a notorious area to dump bodies and weapons over the years. So, like I said, this lake has kind of come to the headlines over the past like year or so. And Lake Mead has been given the title of the deadliest lake in the national park system. And why this is, is because there's been over 300 reported drownings in this lake. Oh, wow. So many. I mean, that's a lot. I, I mean, there's like a lot of the recreation that, that happens there. So the possibility right. of something happen is that the chances are higher, but that's a lot. Exactly. Totally. And I mean, I haven't crunched the numbers or know the statistics, but 300 does sound like a lot in the, in the history of, of how long this lake has been there. So most recently there have been about six or seven instances of discovered remains in the lake that have not necessarily washed up on shore, but because these water levels have dropped, it's bringing that shoreline to the surface. So in May of 2022, two sisters that were out paddling discovered a set of skeletal remains in Colville Bay. They ended up being identified um, belonging to a man by the name of Thomas Ernt. He was 42 years old when he died. He was a Las Vegas resident and he drowned back in August um, of 2002. So 20 years. Oh, shit. After he drowned, his remains were discovered. The story goes that he was out boating with his sister, his two kids, and two other friends um, when it said that he never resurfaced after jumping into the water for a middle-of-the-night swim. And I guess this was something that the family went out and did pretty often. His daughter is interviewed talking about like, you know, how beautiful it was to go out in the middle of the lake, you know, at night and having like the moonlight kind of like dancing on the water. And they would do this as a family, but this particular night did not end well for Thomas. Um, his daughter has memories of that night that the water was choppier than normal. I don't know why this could have been, but he dove in and he tried to swim back to the boat, but the boat was moving 
too fast away from him that he couldn't swim fast enough to get back to the boat. And she even remembers him reaching for the boat and it just being out of his grasp. Like he's right there and he just cannot grab on and none of them can get to him. And he's calling for help, but it was so dark that they couldn't see him in the water. And then all of a sudden there's just silence. That's traumatizing. I know. Well, she she had to so be a kid. Traumatizing. She, yeah, she was a kid at the time. I don't know exactly how old she was when this happened, but you know, she um, makes a comment like, you know, we were just hoping that over the years that maybe he made it to shore and had hit his head and just had no memory of who he was, and that's why we haven't, you know, hadn't been able to find him. But Oh Sadly, God. you know, now they have the closure of his remains being found and that they were able to <sighs> identify him. I know. Just heart-wrenching. Who was in the boat right? that couldn't maneuver try to get throat? I have so many questions know. for whoever was driving that boat. Absolutely. I know. My, my thoughts were exactly the same when I was listening to all of that. Because you're not talking about a river here, you know? Yeah. You're- you know exactly also like night swimming don't count me in unless it's in a pool Uh, 100% Mm -hmm. no I mean I've had I've had one good scare of being out in the water in my life and it was enough to really prove to me um how you're not in control when you're out in the water no without water is a powerful bitch water is I can swim but I'm not a great swimmer Yeah, it, it really, really is. And you get exhausted so fast. You're using everything. You're using everything everything. and your lungs like your, no, Mm -mm. nope, nope, nope. Dang. You know, you're out in a recreation area. I mean, I'm sure in a lot of these situations, maybe there was a little bit of alcohol involved. And so, you know, you're sure kind of at the at the mercy of mother nature Goodness at that point gracious. yeah 20 years though that story was wild i'm glad they identified him because that, i am too you know like you said closure at least right and if there has been 300 drownings i mean it just kind of made me think too like how many people did they have to notify to try to get dna to compare to these remains you know to land on her and I don't know, maybe they could tell how old the bones were by the maybe. decomposition or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Or just like, you know, male, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like totally. Yeah. Identifying factors. Kind of, yeah. Totally. Oof. Now, a couple months later in, so that was May of 2022 in July, another set of remains were found and there is a video of this on the internet. The discovery of these remains were caught on camera by Jesus Catalan. His 11 year old daughter came up to him and said that she found something floating in the water. And when he walked over to where she was standing, um, there floating was a torso close to the shore. And it seemed to maybe be a woman's at that time. And then I believe that this same man went back a couple months later because he was so intrigued by this one finding, he was like, well, if there's one, there's got to be more. I don't know. <laughs> so in August, on the 6th and the 16th of 2022, more partial remains were found. And it was later determined that these remains belonged to the same individual that the torso belonged to. I know. What are the chances of that? I mean, just Did we crazy. interviewed this guy. <laughs> I know. I know. Right. Um, but yeah, just wild. There is video of him coming up on the torso and it's pretty crazy. He, he's like, he's like walking barefoot in the water up to it and he's like touching it. And I'm like, my dude, no, you're going to come out with like a few extra toes and maybe some sort of disease that doesn't even exist yet. I don't know, but don't, don't touch the corpse. His 11 year old. Yeah. His 11 year old daughter. I'm like, what 11 year old is just like, she had to have known screaming and freaking. She had to have known it was a body, right? Like, what did she think it was? Like, dad, there's this weird buoy out there. I don't know what's happening. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Just so crazy. Yeah. Um, 
And then I believe later in August, there were remains, another set of remains found. And this person also was later identified um, as, Cla- as Claude Russell Pessinger or Pessinger, 52 of Las Vegas. He had originally disappeared on July 14th of 1998 and his cause of death has not been determined. So um, I don't know if he was out swimming that day and he disappeared. I don't know if he just disappeared in general, but they're up to this point. They have not identified a cause of death for him, but they identified and then him, we passed, but they identified him. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now on in October, uh, just a couple months later, another man by the name of Donald Smith, he was 39 years old, again, another resident of Las Vegas, and he drowned in April of 1974. Whoa. Whoa is right. I mean, 50, 50 years later. That's a lot of math, but yes, that's like 50 something. Yeah just crazy. And his remains were discovered by a diver who again was out in Colville Bay and he came across a human bone. And this prompted a search that, um, uncovered some war remains. His manner of death was ruled as accidental and his remains were discovered in October of 2022. And he was finally identified in March of 2023. So Damn. just a few months ago, they actually identified who the remains belong to. Wow. So all of that is crazy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, lake, long history, lots of people playing and all sorts of stuff but that's not where the craziness begins. The very first set of remains that were found in this whole, you know, recent discovery happened May 1st of 2022. And a couple came across a barrel in Hemingway Harbor. Mm. And when they approached the barrel, it was corroded in some of the areas. And inside of this barrel held three sets of partial human remains. The remains still had intact clothing that helped them identify that the body had been there since like the late seventies, early eighties. And this clothing contained a watch. I believe it was a shirt and then a pair of shoes and the clothes and shoes were identified to fall within that time frame because they tracked them back to like being sold at Kmart back in the seventies wow. and eighties. Which is wild. You know what it made me think of was the um, the Richard Ramirez case, the Night Stalker, yeah, with his tennis shoes and oh. like was wasn't it him? And they were able to track him down yep. like a specific pair of shoes that were only sold in L.A. in that size, yeah. During that time, that's crazy. It was just like wow, you know, to be able to just like pinpoint stuff down like that closely is just wild. So with the remains that were in this barrel, the body had a gunshot wound to the head, but there was no bullet found in the barrel. They just have this skull with a bullet wound. And it was also found in an area of the lake that had been previously filled with that hundred plus feet of water, but the barrel didn't float to the surface. The surface had, the water had literally come down to this barrel to reveal its, its existence. And some historians speculate that the remains may be evidence of a victim of the mafia. Now in Las Vegas at that time, and probably still today, probably no. not making yeah. any accusations, yeah. but, um, it totally, it totally looked like a mafia style murder. Um, they were known to dispose of bodies by putting them into barrels. You've got a gunshot to the back of the head. It just seemed really, really, really suspicious. And one of the historians even says we would not have a Las Vegas strip if it wasn't for organized crime. Like. That's probably when a you fair really thing think to say. about it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it centers around money and entertainment and 
you know, big booze and pretty women and people that will pretty much do anything (laughs) for a chunk of money. (laughs) Exactly. I know when you, I mean, I would like to dive into a little bit more of that, but yeah, when you think about it, I mean, I'm sure that is like the core of the history of the Las Vegas strip and casinos and just that whole lifestyle and everything, the glitz, the glamour, all of it. So have they identified this person? The sparrow? They think that they have, they think that they have an idea. um, And that's where things kind of get a little bit dicey, but to talk a little bit more about the history, you know, yeah. during the 1970s and 80s, there was a group of Chicago gangsters that controlled a large area of the gambling strip. And there are claims of two men, James Vandermark. And then you may or may not recognize this name, but it rung a bell with me. Um, so we have Jay Vandermark and then a man by the name of Johnny Pappas. Does that sound familiar to you at all? It's maybe feel like yeah. I have heard it before, but I, I don't know. The how. name just like slightly rung a bell with yeah. me, although I, I couldn't put a face to the name when I first heard it. Papa's is just very men, unique. So yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, totally. But both of these men disappeared in the late 1970s. So this Ooh. would line up with the clothing that they found on this body And both of these men had ties to either Chicago or to the Stardust Hotel, which had been said to have a strong mob influence. And Johnny Pappas specifically, um, he was a well-loved man who did a lot of work with the stars in that area. So his name was prominent in Las Vegas for his reputation and who he rubbed elbows with. He has pictures of himself with like Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. And like all of the big stars of the late seventies that would, you know, be in the Vegas area at that time. Now, furthermore, by 1976, he was working out of Echo Bay Marina, which is on Lake Mead. And this area had a reputation for being involved with organized crime. Um, retreating water levels would ultimately force the marina to close eventually. Oh. And there are some different claims about Johnny Pappas's disappearance. Um, one account says that his car was found on the strip and he was never seen again. But then there's another claim that his car was found in an area where it looked like he could have maybe been run off the road or forced off the road. And his car was just left abandoned there. And we've never seen or heard from him again. Now with his ties to the Echo Bay Marina and it having that reputation with his ties to the Las Vegas strip, um, I think it's pretty safe to say that this man could have had ties um, to some mob-like activity. Yeah. And it was rumored that around the time of his disappearance, he was considered becoming a government witness, essentially a whistleblower. Yeah. And if you have any sort of common sense, um, if you're involved in mob-like activity, the last thing you want to do is um, be a whistleblower or to have any anyone find out that you might be thinking about it. That you're even I don't thinking think about it. Yeah. That, that, even, that the slightest whisper of someone approaching you about the topic, like, no, it's not going to end well for you. No. At all. Sounds like a setup already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So when an investigator found out about this body in the barrel in May of 2022 and it potentially being Pappas, he instantly thought of a hot-headed hitman by the name of um, Tony, I believe it's Spilotro. And he also considered a second man potentially being the one to commit this crime was Spilotro's frenemy, uh, Frank Rosenthal. Both men were notorious in the mob scene. They even had slightly fictionalized characters about them in the movie Casino that were inspired by them. So they were well-known names in the Las Vegas area within the mob culture. 
Now, in 1986, Tony Spilotro ultimately um, met his end when he was found in a ditch in a cornfield, but all the way in Indiana. Whoa. Which is close to Chicago. I would say if he was in Chicago, that's not far drive from there. It's not. So just kind of crazy like all of those things you could really connect the dots and pinpoint them all together but he was notorious and a lot of different or at least in the casino movie you know he was a big inspiration for one of the characters that I believe was played by um it was not Robert De Niro but the shorter burglar in Home Alone um I know exactly what you're talking about I don't remember his name I know what you're talking about. I don't remember his name, but he's he's the actor who One plays of the this character bandits. inspired by him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's see if I can find it. So, yeah, I don't remember that guy's name, but I mean, what a perfect person to, like, play a mobster yeah, in a movie, sure. honestly. He, like, totally fits the bill. Now, when we go back to talking about the body... Um, like you had asked, unfortunately, attempts to identify the body from DNA has been difficult because of the decomposition, how long it's been out there, etc. But Johnny Pappas's um, biological niece even came forward to offer a DNA sample of her own so that they would have something to compare it to. And when she approached the coroner about wanting to provide this sample, they told her that they would note it down. And that was just kind of it. And I don't think that any testing was ever done. And in an interview with this coroner, what? Excuse me. Excuse me. Breakfast burrito. This was explained away because there has not been enough evidence to warrant them to compare the DNA to hers. They don't have enough, which I have a big question mark about that. She basically blames it on like budget issues and that the money that they get to fund the DNA sampling comes from taxpayer dollars. So they have to be really mindful of how they spend that money, which don't get me wrong. I understand. But if this is like one of your only leads to try to tie to a body that you have, that you haven't been able to identify, wouldn't you at least want to run one? You think so? So but, I mean, and they have his remains. So, but it just depends on how they are because they might not have enough to run several tests. Which is true. You know, I don't know. That's difficult. My mind went. My mind went down a rabbit hole, and I'm like, the coroner's office is corrupted by the mob. They don't want to know who this is. <laughs> <laughs> She's the just giving it this on really the case is the third nephew down the line for the yeah no that's yep. funny <clears throat> exactly so I'm like um I don't really know how much I that's believe you so but whatever funny. we're just gonna go ahead and and go with your budget issues story okay that's funny um but what they have been able to confirm is that the remains are male. They were able to do this by looking at the pelvis bones. Um, One of the most telltale signs when you're just looking at bones and trying to identify someone's, um, you know, if they're male or female. Mm -hmm. And then in August of 2022, um, a gun had actually been found near where the barrel remains were found, but it's been hard to tell if the gun was involved with the suspected homicide because they don't have a bullet to compare it to. Yeah. You can maybe look at the size of the bullet hole. Um, but I also believe that there, um, when they looked further into it too, that the gun did not appear to be from the same era yeah. as when they know that the body was left there. Gotcha. So, you know, really only leaves for one other explanation that another crime has obviously been committed and that's a dumped murder weapon. That's, that's all I could think of. I'm like, Oh, yep. That's just the dumping grounds for all the murders and all the exactly yeah so this whole discovery fueled people to head out into the lake to see what else they could find it was all over social media everyone wanted to be the next person to make the the next big discovery out on lake mead um they did discover more barrels but no bodies were found inside and 
I mean, it won't be shocking that if the water levels continue to drop the way that they have, that over time, we're only going to discover more and more things about this lake. I mean, with 300 known drownings, you're only bound to come across more human remains. I'm sure there will be more weapons found. Who knows if there will be more bodies than the barrels found, but only more history could get revealed with the dropping levels or if they do more dives or whatever. Um, But I tell you what, this whole situation led to a really great um, money making. I'm not going to call it a scheme because I mean, make your money the way that you want to, but there's a local souvenir shop that developed their own um, bottled Lake Mead corpse water that they sell in their <laughs> souvenir shop. No. And they've got this little label on it and it's these little bottles with kind of like this slightly murky no. looking water in it. No. And I don't know if it actually comes from the lake. It probably does. I don't know, but I'm like, Hey, way to take a a situation like that and make it into a, <laughs> I mean, a way to make a few extra bucks for your souvenir shop. I'm not mad at you about it. Listen, would I buy one? The water? Would I though? buy one if I was there and bring it to you? I probably would. Yeah, yeah. Put it on the shelf in the podcast. Room. Here's the thing, though. I mean, I I understand why they did it. Kudos for them for for doing it. Um. Yeah, I'd probably buy one too. But I was thinking maybe if you're gonna do something like that, maybe to like a miniature barrel or you know yeah. a rusty gun little keychain. Don't do yeah. water. I know it's kind of gross. That's nasty. And calling it corpse water. I'm just like, oh that, man. That part. Yeah, that's gross and weird. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Like I mean, there are still people see. using that water for <laughs> recreation. Oh, yeah. you. I'm sure you'll totally be able to find it. But, man, you know, it just kind of sucks when you come across stuff like this because I don't love – I. I don't love swimming in the ocean. I do love looking at the ocean. I think it's beautiful. I think that rivers are nice, but lakes are definitely where I feel the safest um, from creatures that lie below the surface and just in, you know, overall safety. But after diving into, yep, there it is. That's disgusting. That murky little bottle of water. It is full of sediment. It's gross. Okay. It's gross. I know. I don't know if that's added. I don't know if that's like actually, I don't know, but I was laughing pretty hard at that. Yeah. No, lakes are the the safest way to water recreate. I mean, you'd think so Mm -hmm. unless someone's taking you out to the lake, then you might want to make sure their intentions are good. Totally. I know. And I just, I mean, I also feel like lakes are relatively safe because you just generally don't have these currents that run Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. rivers and oceans and stuff like that. Not that I would think that lakes are, you know, a a place where drownings don't occur, but, you know, with Thomas Ernst and how the waters were really choppy that night, you know, it's like, how did that happen? You know, how were the waters so unmanageable for him that it led him to drown yeah you know? um, that's that's hard to understand especially if you are an avid water person then how do you just go out for a swim and the batters the waters had to have been that bad that you are unable to swim back I mean it exactly. could just have been just sheer him being tired and he couldn't make it back right. to the boat and whoever this person was behind the wheel on the boat How do you not? I yeah, mean, where were your flashlights? Where were your lifesavers? Where were all anything. of these things that you're supposed to have? Especially if he was so close that the boat was just barely out of yeah, that's scary reach for him. Yeah, it's just so so wild. Yeah, I mean, I really don't go into water anymore without a life jacket. To be perfectly honest with you, I mean, I maybe the floating time. the river is probably the only place but I will say with that that's where I had my water scare was out on the Clackamas River when we were floating and I mean 
it can just swoop you up so ridiculously fast. That's my last water experience too. And it was not a good one because no. floaties popped, fever up in the air, going yeah. down the rapids, like yep. absolutely not. And it's just so much happens in your, no, water's scary, can be scary. It really is. Yeah. yeah. I know. I remember a few summers ago, Tyson and I went out with um, his little sister and one of her friends. And we were like, you guys are wearing life jackets. And you know, they're like 13, 14 years old at the time. They're like, we're too cool for life jackets. You know, they didn't want to wear them. And we're like, no, you're wearing life jackets. Like you guys don't understand. I mean, it's, it's nothing that you might want to mess with. And we're now responsible for you when you're away from your mother. So Absolutely. I'm sorry. I don't care how cool you don't think it looks, but, um, that is the story of Lake Mead and we will see if what, when more stuff pops up. It'd be nice just to have the, the body identified and just not for full circle reasons, but just to have a closure for, you know, whatever relatives he may have alive, like his niece that volunteered DNA Mm -hmm if that is her relative, uh, but it also adds to the history of Vegas to Lake Mead. And I mean, I, I hope they don't want to just keep it as a cold case because now they have the remains. It just sounds exactly. like they might not have the resources, but right. they get around and to she, it. she, his niece is convinced that it, is him. And another thing that I thought about too, is maybe she's not enough of a direct blood relative to make her a reliable source to compare DNA to. I mean, maybe if it was a daughter or a mother or a father or a brother or sister that came forward, they would be more likely. I don't know how many necessarily like how many degrees of separation would make testing DNA a not reliable sample so that might be part of the reason too why they don't want to waste resources on comparing an uncle to a niece right necessarily because you never know who had a side chick so i'm just kidding (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) you never know you could have been a byproduct of the mailman we don't know we don't know (laughs) (laughs) so that's another yeah that's the story that's great yeah that's another day Yeah, that is crazy um, that so many have been found. In such a short amount of time, Mm -hmm. too. I mean, within like six-ish months of each other, and all of this is so recent. Um, But, you know, speaking of water, it um, makes me think of another tragedy that has happened recently, and... I posted a quick little thing on our story the other day, and I'm sure a lot of people out there know about the devastating wildfires that have happened in Maui. Yeah. And Maui is super, super close to my heart. I've vacationed there for years. Um, That's where Tyson and I got engaged. We have so many, just so many fond memories. And there are about three wildfires on the island right now, and luckily they're slowly and surely being contained. But the community of Lahaina, which is where we've spent the majority of our time um, on the island, is completely, I mean, it's gone. It's gone. I can get really emotional talking about it. It's um, it's really sad. There's a old banyan tree that has been there for almost a couple centuries that I think there's a little bit of hope that maybe it will slowly regrow itself over the years, but I mean, that's gone. Um, I have a friend who's also my hairdresser, her and her boyfriend live in Lahaina. And I was just worried sick because they've lost all forms of communication for the most part. Um, I have confirmed that she is safe and her boyfriend's safe. They are helping other people in the community shelter, um, and so I guess I just want to take a second to extend our love to the people in that community. If you have any ties or love or appreciation for really any part of Hawaii, not just Maui, um, I really encourage you to take a second to look up any local nonprofit organizations that you can 
donate to, you know, even a dollar goes a really long way for these people. Um, I posted one on our story and I can post a specific link that will directly go to my friend and her boyfriend. They are helping others shelter in place because luckily their apartment miraculously was not taken away from them. I can't even believe how lucky they got with that. But, um, just wanted to take a moment to extend our condolences. And if you're going to donate, I really encourage you to look at donating to small local nonprofits and not necessarily the main big stream ones. The yeah. money will get directly to these people in need much faster than um, donating to some like more nationally well-known organization. Right. So I can definitely post some stuff up on our Instagram to help uh, guide people towards that. But, um, yeah, just want to send out a lot of love and yeah. I think it's worthwhile to mention. Yeah. Lots of, the uh, devastation of that community. So much loss has happened, not only material, but people lost their lives as well, which is really exactly devastating. So, um, if you have any, any listeners out there, if you know, or can direct us to an organization or anything that you would want people to be aware of to donate to please send the link our way so that we yes. can put that out <clears throat> sorry yeah it, it's uh it, it's the pictures are just apocalyptic the is gone it, yeah. yeah it's wild so yeah um but... if you are a hawaiian listener um on any of the islands and you know yourself of any organizations um that could use help and or use a shout out um please let us know and we'll be happy to share that information to support people absolutely there. absolutely well i hope you guys enjoyed this episode i know it was a little bit different than some of the other stuff that we do but kind of fun little history of that um and unless you have any other news i think that's it so that's it. don't be a stranger and we will catch you guys next week. Okay, bye. Bye.